0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit (laughs) www.thewellhastings.com. We should pray. Let's pray, right? Bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you uh, um, for this church family. Thank you for the blessing that it is to... Uh, be together this morning to worship you. Thank you for the word that Eric shared a little bit ago. Um, Just this reason that we have to come and to worship you because our hope is in you. You are the restorer of souls, Lord God, and we trust you and we know that. You are the God who saves. Every one of us that is here that knows you can attest to that truth. In powerful ways, so Father, we just want to exalt you and honor you in that. Father, please open our hearts and our minds, open our souls to hear from you today. Help us to hear from your word, Lord God. Please encourage us. We pray that you would restore us even this morning. Continue that work of restoration. Thank you for the Book of Ephesians and the words that you um, that you uh, that you had Paul write down for us. I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. We need nothing more than to hear from you. So help us to hear from you. God, I pray that you would break down walls and barriers. I pray, Father, that you would open hearts that are dead. I pray, God, that you would take people who are running headlong after their sin and that you would turn them around and say, "Now that tastes gross, and help them to see you and to taste and to see that you and your presence is so good. God, I pray, I beg you to do that work. I know that that's what you want to do. So we just ask that you would do that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, when some of you walked in here this morning... You're feeling worthless, alone, insecure, uncertain, useless, maybe insignificant. These words are tough to think about, tough to feel, tough to hear. My main goal and purpose this morning is to come and to encourage you. That's my goal. My goal is to encourage you. You are not worthless. You're not alone, you're not useless, you're not insignificant. Christ is your security. Christ is your security. He is your certainty. He he is the one that makes you useful. He gives you all the significance that you could ever need. God says that in Christ, you are treasured, you are secure, and you are useful. God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to your anxiety. Did you hear that? Don't miss what I just said. God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to your anxiety. There are many reasons to be anxious, many reasons to feel worried. Many reasons for the gas tanks of our hearts to be on empty when it comes to peace, right? Our struggle with sin depletes peace. Our struggle with relationships depletes our peace. Our struggle with our jobs can deplete our Peace, our, our struggle with our education can deplete our peace, our struggle in finances can deplete our peace, our, our struggle with our families. If anybody knows what family conflict is like, that can deplete your peace real quick. Agreed? Agreed, right? Our struggle with uh, current situations throughout the world, turn on the news, I say it all the time, that can deplete your, your peace in like two seconds flat. And there are many reasons for the gas tanks of our hearts to be on empty when it comes to peace. And when we are lacking in peace, then what happens is it's real easy for us to fall into despair, feel worthless, feel insecure, feel alone, feel uncertain, useless, insignificant. All these feelings can act like tiny little garden hoses. Think of those feelings when you feel that way act like tiny little garden hoses that just water or feed the soil in your heart where anxiety grows. God's word today is this big idea. In Christ, you are treasured. Do you believe that? In Christ, you are treasured. In Christ, you are secure. Do you believe that? In Christ, you are useful. Do you believe that? Are you resting in that? In Christ, you are treasured, you are secure, you are useful. God's love, written in Christ's blood, at the cross, serves as the eviction notice. It boots anxiety out of your life. Paul says it this way, Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow That's the way Paul starts out, begins with the words, so then, is just waxed eloquent over the last five verses over the truth that the cross of Christ provides vertical peace between Believers and God. Between me and God, vertical peace has been provided by the cross of Christ. And then horizontal peace between me and you as a believer, between believers, that kind of peace is, is created through the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ provides horizontal or horizontal peace, vertical peace first between us and God and then horizontal peace between us and other believers. This is what Paul has waxed eloquent on over the last five verses and he ends all of this eloquent waxing on this theme of peace with a profound statement in verse 18. Do you remember it? Look back at it if you have a Bible. It's a profound statement where he says that through Christ we all have access in one spirit to our Father in heaven. I think I said last week that's a picture of Barack Obama with all of his ideologies and background and Donald Trump with all of his ideologies and background coming and following Christ and worshiping at the same table in our midst. That's the picture of radical grace and peace that God gives each of us that works its way out into our relationships. In other words, what Paul is saying over the last few verses is this. So then, so then since we all have access in one spirit to the Father through Christ, then in Christ you are treasured, you are secure, you are useful. God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to your anxiety. I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over. I want us to get that big picture. Number one, we are treasured. We are treasured. Ask yourself, what stops you from believing that you are treasured? What stops you from believing that you are treasured? And what stops you from living like you are treasured? It's so hard to hold on to this truth that we are treasured. In the midst of all of our suffering, It's hard to hold on to this truth that we are treasured in the midst of all the shifting realities around us, right? How often do you feel worthless and alone? When I see that old friend that won't speak to me anymore, I feel worthless. I couldn't fix it. I feel alone. I miss that relationship. When I struggle with that old sin pattern that just won't die inside of me, I, I feel worthless. I can't break this pattern. I feel alone. I'm the only one struggling this way. When I look back and I remember where I came from, the sins of my past, I feel worthless and alone. Even in a room full of friends and family sometimes. Anybody else in the same place? Even in a room full of friends and family, it can be real easy to just suddenly feel totally alone. God says, No. No, you're not worthless. And you're not alone. You are treasured. You are treasured. You're not strangers and aliens. Paul says that specifically, you're no longer strangers and aliens. You're no, you're no longer slaves to your sin, no longer children of wrath, no longer separated from God the Father, no longer far off from the presence of God, no longer so-called second-rate citizens, no longer defined by your sinful actions, no longer a stranger standing in a room full of strangers, no longer alienated from the life-giving presence of God, no longer hidden from God behind the wall of hostility, no longer a fatherless child. No longer locked in the basement of your foster parents' home. When your old foster parents, Satan's sin in the grave. And they've been evicted. not just that they've been evicted, they've been beaten, beaten to a bloody pulp. There's an end date on their power over you. Why? Because you are treasured. Treasured by God. Not a stranger, not an alien anymore. What reason, what real reason, what real reason that's not a lie, because we all struggle with believing lies, what real reason do you or I have to be anxious or depleted of our peace? We're treasured. We're treasured, my friends. We are treasured citizens and saints. Paul says that. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And the word citizen carries the meaning of belonging. That's the meaning behind the word citizen. And the word saints carries the meaning of special. How often do you look at the mirror and say to yourself, the reflection in the mirror, and I'm special, in a way that's not demeaning? (coughs) When, When Paul says that that we are no longer strangers and aliens. We are fellow citizens with the saints. When he lumps us into the category of saint, when he says you're special, you're set apart. You're set apart like fine China for special use. You are treasured because you belong to God and you are his special belonging. And so you might say, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm all that special. I might argue with the Lord on this point. <coughs> you might be thinking inside of your head right now, did you see what I did last night? You might be thinking inside of your mind or your heart, did, did you see what they said about me? You might be thinking, have you heard how bad he hurt me? You might be saying, Were you there when she left me? The list could go on and on. Do you see what I struggle with, pastor? I admit I don't see all that you struggle with, but I know that it's easy for us to land on those things, sins that we commit or sins that are committed against us or weaknesses that we have. And we can begin to say, man, I don't feel like I belong and I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm special, God's answer back to you is that you are no longer defined or identified by the sin that you've committed or the sins that have been committed against you. You're not defined by it. You're not identified by it. You are defined by what God says about you. The God of the universe who breathed the stars into existence and gave your lungs the very breath that you are breathing right now in this moment. As you hear these words from my lips and read these words in the scriptures, he's the one that says that you are treasured. Are you going to argue with him? Man. You know how often I argue with him? All the time, I like to argue. (laughs) I like to argue. Even in my arguing breaths, God is giving me grace in those moments. (laughs) God says you are treasured. You are his priceless possession. You, You belong to the star breather. That's Seth's statement. Came out in gospel community one night, and the whole room just went silent. Belong to the star breather. The breath of our Father in heaven breathe the stars into existence. And he says, that "You are treasured. Whew. You are God's special belonging. You are no longer." a stranger or an alien. You are treasured, citizen, a saint. We are also treasured because we're members of God's household. No longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. The word member uh, carries a sense of special privilege in our culture. When you think of membership, when I think of being a member, I think of benefits before I think of commitments. I think of the word member through the lens of A consumer before I hear it through the lens of a contributor. What's in it for me, not what am I called to give away? I think this is true of all of us. Um, But here's here's the beauty in that. We we cannot come to Christ unless we first come to him as needy and helpless consumers of his grace. If you come to Christ thinking that you contribute anything other than your sin, got it backwards. That's why Paul says previously, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. We must first come to Christ as needy and helpless consumers of God's grace. But then, as we come to know Christ and the contribution that he made on our behalf at the cross as his blood was poured out, as we come to know that, then we slowly become contributors. What happens is our desires change. We want to give ourselves away on behalf of the kingdom of the king who gave himself completely for us. It's a special privilege for us to be a part of God's family. It really is such a special privilege to be a part of God's family, to not be alienated from God's family. To not be a non-member, to not be a sinner lost, to be a sinner found is such a privilege of God's grace for us. And being a part of God's family teaches us that we are treasured members of God's very own household. He treasured us before the foundations of the world were ever laid. And he will continue to treasure us long after the foundations of the world are destroyed and rebuilt. That's an eternity spent as God's treasure. So you are a treasure eternally. You're no longer a stranger or an alien to God. You, you belong to God. You are God's special belonging. You are a member of God's family. What reason do you have to be anxious now? God's love. Written in Christ's blood. Serves as the eviction notice to your anxiety and your worry. Treasured, not just treasure, but we're also secure. And before I dive into that, um, I, I think a little comic relief is in order. I hope this goes over okay. Y'all can lynch me afterwards if you want. But as I prepared this sermon, okay, and as I as I came across this big idea that uh, that God's love, signed in Christ's blood, serves as the eviction notice. Um, as I came across that big idea, I sent it to some other pastors and leaders, some friends of mine, and um, one of them that I sent it to, and I just sent it for some encouragement in the midst of the daily grind, right? Um, one of the guys, my friend Todd from the Acts 29 Church in Lincoln, almost immediately, man, he sent me this gif, um, not gift, but gif, it's like a moving picture, <laughs> sent me this back, um, and, and we actually thought it'd be a really great intro video, but I, I'll t- I did restrain myself. Um, so hopefully it's on the next slide. Hopefully it works. Look at this. What, what, what comes to your mind when you when you see this picture? What words come to your mind when you see this picture? Confusion. Not what I was going for. Beat it. Beat it. Yeah, right. Just beat it. Right. That's the old song for Michael Jackson, Just Beat It. So you can see why I restrained myself from showing it as an intro video. Um, would not have gone down very well, I'm certain. Um, just beat it. I mean, th- 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 that's exactly what this text gives me the ability to say to the anxiety that attempts to steal my peace. That's exactly what I get to say. I get to say, beat it, anxiety, you're out. I get to speak to it that way. Why? Because the Spirit of God is alive in me. Because I know this truth that God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to my anxiety. Therefore, I don't have to live in that place anymore. It does get a little harder, though, for us when you start talking about security. Security is a deep desire for all of us. We want security. We want security, I would say, oftentimes more than any other want. You want to feel secure. You ever question your security or feel insecure, feel uncertain of your future? You ever start to feel super afraid, anxious, uh, worried because you cannot predict the future of that relationship or the, the future of your educational dreams, the future of your financial stability, or the future of your child's walk with the Lord, maybe maybe, maybe the future uh, with your current employer. You can't predict the future, therefore it's easy to feel insecure, and so then we desire security more, and we go after it in unhealthy ways, Right? The reality is is that a lack of security in our lives can cause us to live with hearts that are depleted of peace. We live worried, anxious, consumed by it. Everywhere we go, the world is going to hand you and I bucketful after bucketful after bucketful after bucketful of worry. A friend of mine said different nuances of this statement that this is just in my line of work as a pastor what you're gonna get up and do every morning. Get up and drink a five gallon bucket of worry, go out, and do your work, come back, drink another five gallon bucket of it, and go to sleep. Like, anybody else feel that way in your job? Interchange that word worry with all sorts of other words rejection, aloneness, loneliness, right? Man, life can feel that way sometimes for us. Where we go, the world hands us those buckets. Insecurity and uncertainty, man, they are vicious enemies. They're not just passive enemies sitting in the back row going, huh, oh, I wonder when I can take that guy down. I wonder when I take that girl down. I wonder when I can get inside of their head of their heart. They're not just passively sitting back like, yo, I'm, just, I'm coming after you someday. Just watch out. No, they're vicious. It's vicious. Insecurity, uncertainty, vicious enemies of the peace that God has given you. And fills us full of anxiety. But God says that we are secure. Number one, we're secure by the word of God. Paul says we are securely built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's a pretty certain foundation if you ask me. That's a pretty certain foundation. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets the foundation of the apostles and the prophets is the foundation of the word of god the job of the apostles and the prophets was to communicate the written and spoken word of god to god's people why why were they to continue to speak and communicate the word of god written and spoken why what let's think about that for a second why so we would know god so we would know that god what god wants from us so that we would be safe so we would be secure. So we would live lives that love and honor him. So that we would be strengthened. So that we would be warned. Well, we don't like his warnings, do we? Don't warn me, God. Just love me. Don't warn me, God. Just make me feel good, right? That's what we want. You now, over the years, I've come to enjoy God's warnings. Why? Because I'm his son. And sons that get warned by a loving father love the warnings of their father because they know it keeps them safe. strengthened, warned, encouraged by the gospel of peace. And the word of God is not shifting sand like that relationship you keep pursuing. Word of God is not shifting sand like your job is. Word of God is not shifting sand like your education is. Word of God is not shifting sand like your bank account is. Anybody know that feeling? Wouldn't it be nice to have something more secure than our bank accounts? The word of God is more secure than that. The word of God is secure and trustworthy and true and unchanging. We are secure by the word of God. What what reason do we have? What real reason do we have to be anxious? And I'm not not saying, asking that question to beat us. I'm I'm asking that question to jar us, right? I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded that I'm secure in God's word. What more can come against me? I have to remember that. The psalmist preached this at himself too. <clears throat> now some of you might answer that last question with a little bit of pushback too as you think about God's word. You might be questioning whether or not the Bible is reliable, whether or not it's true. Sometimes this topic of the reliability of the scriptures can cause us a deep sense of anxiety. You may not feel the desire to read the word of God. Um, maybe when you do read it, maybe you feel like all you're reading is just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. It doesn't make any sense, right? Which then leaves you more worried. Man, I don't I understand this? If I have God, am I really a Christian? If I don't understand it, if I struggle, if I do desire to read it, then what? Like, it just causes a bunch of spinning wheels that just won't stop, right? And God wants to speak peace in the midst of that. His word is secure, right? But how can I help you if you're that person in that place today? I would make a suggestion here. Here's my suggestion. Um, I could wax eloquent about this for a long time because I love God's word. And people joke all the time like, Joe, you send really long text messages and emails. You know what? You're right. Did you see this? This is a really long text message and a really long email. You think mine are long? Really? Look at this. Seriously. This is big. <laughs> Heard this joke the other day. This will tie to it and I'll get back to the practical thing. A uh, pastor goes to a uh, family's house, visit new family in church. Sat down together, got some dinner. The wife had pulled out these real fancy, fancy silverware, giving him a spoon. After pastor left, she's putting all silverware away, finds a spoon missing. Can't figure out, man, where's the spoon at? Did pastor steal my spoon? Didn't want to ask him. Um, Didn't want to ask him about it, but uh, about a year later, she finally got the gumption. Took her a year. Um, About a year later, she finally asked him. She's like, hey, pastor, did you steal my spoon? From, from when you came to eat dinner with us? And he's like, no. <laughs> I stuck it in your Bible. <laughs> now the sense of, I don't know, now, now, now how funny that is, there's also a sense of horror in every one of us right now, right? <laughs> right? You're never gonna invite me over to your house, right? <laughs> and if you do, you're gonna hide your Bible, right? <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Thank you uh, for giving me that story. Um, <laughs> man, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're here, though, and you, and you struggle to understand, trust the Word of God, um, could it be that you're just trying to go at it alone? I mean, you're just not, not making headway because you're trying to go at it alone? Uh, maybe, maybe there's, I think there's probably many of us in this room that could testify uh, to the difficulty of understanding and trusting God's Word. <clears throat> but we can also testify to uh, being given the gift of illumination in community, because none of these none of these letters were written to people in isolation. You cannot make the argument that you can walk alone outside of the community of the church. You, you cannot make that argument out of scripture, because then these these letters don't belong in here, because they were written to communities of people. Right? Many of us can uh, testify to that gift of illumination given to us as God has shined His light on God's word, and what used to make no sense now makes. Plain and easy sense to us. It's kind of like algebra. Algebra. Anybody here love algebra? Anybody here understand algebra? Anybody? W- stop it, Michael. No, no, actually. No, don't stop it. Sorry. Keep doing that. Thank you. There's somebody here that understands algebra. The rest of us do not, right? <laughs> Very well. When you struggle with algebra in school, Michael, you'll understand this too. When you, when you struggle with algebra in school, what would you do? You went and found teachers, you went and found friends who and found family that understand it and you sat down with them and you learned it in community it was a learning community and it's the same in god's community this is not something that's like big mind blowers i mean it's 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 it this is why we do this we want to understand god's word want it to be secure want want it not to be a bunch of mumbo jumbo to come to trust god's word a secure foundation for our lives that's not all that god that Paul is saying here in terms of our security he also says that we are secured by the rock. Paul says that we are securely built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. See, if the security of of the strength of God's word wasn't enough already, and really it is, The awesome thing is that the cornerstone of the strength and the stability of this Bible in front of me is Jesus himself. The rock of my salvation, the rock of ages, is the one that holds it together. He is the cornerstone that this is built upon. It's beautiful. Every word in here points to my sweet Savior, whose blood was poured out on my behalf. And in that blood, God's love is written and it evicts the anxiety that I struggle with. And the image of a cornerstone is the image of a big rock-like stone that held the foundation of a building together, gave that foundation its strength. Paul says that 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 cornerstone is what gives the foundation of the word of God strength and stability, and it's Jesus. He's the one who gives strength and stability to the word of God. Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the rock of our salvation, the rock of ages, as I've already said, and he gives us assurance. He gives us assurance. gives us a strong foundation. When everything around us is just melting away, shifting sand that we live in the midst of when that when that old sin creeps up on me again Jesus is the rock of my salvation when i'm uncertain about what the future may hold for that relationship or that friendship Jesus is the rock of my salvation and i feel insecure about the future of my job or the future of my financial position or the future of my children's safety Jesus is the rock of my salvation so my security does not rest on the shifting sands of my momentary circumstances I am, I'm held securely by the rock of ages I'm held securely by the rock of my salvation I am rooted securely strengthened stabilized in Jesus he is the one I look to There's no man, woman, person, place, thing, or bank account level that will give me the security that I'm seeking after. All of it will go away someday. Only Jesus will give you the security that you so desperately desire. Can't quantify it. Can't put a date on it. All I can tell you is Jesus is the answer for what makes you sick. Paul's still not done with security. He must know this is something we struggle with, right? We're also secured in unity and growth. Paul says, we've been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being a cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In other words, we are secured in unity and growth as God's temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God. How does this give me security? I read those words and go, uh, how does that give me security? In the face of all the shifting sands of my life, where do I find security in the face of the shiftiness of relationships, finances, work, all the above? One way that I find security is remembering how this passage ties to another passage. The context of God's word, not just here but the broader context. This is part of the way that we study scripture. Reminds me of a passage in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, 4-5. through I don't have it on the screen for you, but you might make a mark. 1 Peter 2, 4-5. through Peter says this, and listen, different author, different book, right? Remarkably similar in what he says. As you come to him, as, you, as we come to Jesus, as we come to him, a, a bunch of living stones, <coughs> rejected by men, But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual houses, as a spiritual house, singular. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, in that passage, we learn that even though I may face the shifting sands of relational rejection, financial hardship, Family upheaval, vocational instability, educational stress in this life, physical pain. The list could go on and on and on. Whatever it is that we face in this life, we can rest secure in Christ as he does the building up. And as he does the growing up in us. Jesus doesn't need to grow up. We need to grow up. In him is how we grow up. He will do that work. He will not discontinue a work that he began. Has he begun a work in you? Is there evidence of that work in you? And you can't look at God and say, God, in the next three weeks, I expect you to grow me up this fast. That is immensely prideful. All we can do is look back and say, God, thank you for growing me up all these years. And please grow me up fast can't quantify it moving forward. just can't. It sets me free because you know what I want? I want timelines, check marks. I want to know that I completed some stuff. I'd like you to tell me when this church is going to be planning to sustainability. I, I'd like to know when my kid's going to start following Jesus. You know? I, I'd like to know when, uh, yeah, the list can go on and on, but guess what? God doesn't give me those answers because I'm not God. He is. Well, so why would you and I expect that out of ourselves? Why? Because we have a deep problem with pride. It's all about us. We want God to make it all about us rather than all about him. The truth is, God says that you and I are chosen, priceless, precious. Therefore, we are secure like little bricks that are being shaped and molded into the character of Christ. We are united and fit together with other bricks into the visible structure of the church family where God lives and breathes by his spirit into the culture around us. This is God's work, not yours and not mine. We're called to respond to what God is doing in us, called to respond to the call that he gives us, called to grow up and not sit in our seats being stiff-necked, That's what we're called to. Why? Because we're secure. You will not find security in anything this side of heaven other than Christ and the work that He did at the cross. When you get your eyes off of that, you start to feed in places that are so unhealthy. The call of God always is come back. Come back to the pasture where I can feed you from my word where you can become healthy again, where you can find security again, true security. There might be a lot of reasons to be afraid, feel with anxiety, feel uncertain or insecure, but the truth is this. We are secured by the word of God we are secured by the rock of our salvation. We are secured in unity and growth. And when anxiety comes knocking at your door and trying to grow out of control inside of your heart and dictate the footsteps that you take or the things that you think or the ways that you feel, what you can do is you can look at it and you can say, i drop kicked you out of my soul. Why? Because Jesus saved me. I belong to him. I am his son. He is my father. And nothing can change that. Why? Because I'm treasured. I'm secure, I'm useful. God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to my anxiety. Therefore, I will not live there. I live in peace. So my father gave me peace through the cross of Christ. Paul's not done yet, last point. He wants to let us know how useful we are. Not just treasured. Not just secure, though those are awesome truths. Truths feels like such a full plate of food that Paul gives us here, doesn't it? Isn't there a sense and a feeling of such a full meal that we're being fed through these passages? Almost like, man, I need a nap after this. Anybody feel that? Yeah, so let's get through the last point. <laughs> and do you ever feel useless? If <sighs> you ever feel insignificant? That don't matter much, right? All right. Uh, there's on one side of that, there, there's a a, a humilative and humble way of saying Man, I'm nothing but a poor beggar. There's a difference between humility and thinking that you're useless or insignificant. It's a big difference. Like everything maybe you, you do just won't amount to much. I think all of us look at our lives sometimes feel that Like what we do isn't really all that useful or significant, therefore we wonder then how useful or significant we really are. We attach what we do to who we are, and we attach who we are to what we do, and we just wind up running around this little circle, this little rat race of, I'm useless, I'm insignificant, I suck, I'm no good at this, right? We tell ourselves that, we live there more than in the peace of God, and and we start feeding on that rather than feeding on God's word to really speak the truth to us that actually sets us free so that we can walk free as we are free indeed, right? That's so what we do. This is this is our life. Our jobs, man, sometimes can feel insignificant, mundane, boring, man. This is just all I do, right? It's just my job. It doesn't feel that fantastic or mind-blowing. Educational efforts can oftentimes produce very little some days. For me, my counsel of brothers and sisters, for those of you that are Christians who are counseling one another in the scriptures, there can be days where you just feel like, man that didn 't not just not make much progress it it went the opposite direction completely, right there 's passion there for a reason. Our counsel of our brothers and sisters might feel like it just results in the absolute opposite effects. Our paychecks seem smaller than than they should be regardless of the hours that we put in. Our our relationships run south even after we do everything we can possibly think of to keep them on the right track. Our old sin patterns haunt us regardless of how many books or small groups or church conferences we go to. Sometimes it's just plain easy to feel useless and insignificant. Agreed? Amen? It's easy to feel that way. Easier to feel that way than it is to stay rooted in the peace that transforms us. I want you to know that you are useful. Paul says you are useful. Why? Because in him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are glued together by the shed blood and broken body of Jesus and you are like a house for the Spirit of God to live in and to move through. You're like a house for the Spirit of God to live in and move through, let me ask you, why is there anxiety living inside of you when you are a house for the Holy Spirit? Why is there anxiety living inside of me when I have been created to be a house for the Holy Spirit? He's the one who is to have taken up residence inside of me to live in me and move through me. So let me tell you, when you struggle with that sin, when I struggle with that sin, the reason why is I'm trying to evict the Holy Spirit out of me. And I'm trying to fill me with something that does not make me healthy. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing when that happens. We're for the Spirit of God to live in and move through. That sounds pretty dang useful to me. You're not, you're not useless. You're not insignificant. You matter more to God than you could ever comprehend and I pray that God would speak that to us. You matter more to him than you understand right now. On top of that, he says that you are useful to him. You you have a purpose. Your purpose is to be the built house of God. You're not an empty, useless, or insignificant being. You are the house of the spirit of the living God. What reason, what legitimate reason What legitimate reason do you have to be anxious now? You're not useless. You're not insignificant. You're more useful than you can imagine. Therefore, you have no reason to be anxious. I have no reason to be anxious. No real reason. There's no reason that I can give that can trump what God says about me. And God says this. He says that in Christ, you and I are treasured You and I are secure. You and I are useful. God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice for our anxiety, my friends. Do you believe that or do you doubt that? And with that thought, watch this video.
1: I remember my little niece ran up to me and told me, we learned about Jesus today. And I could tell by her smile she was so excited to learn about this man that she did not quite know yet, but she knew without a doubt for it to be true, because after all, mommy said so. And that was the first time in my life that I looked into the eyes of a child and envied them, because she had no idea of what it feels like to doubt. What it feels like to have your entire belief system overload with skepticism. To never know the day that you would finally be able to live beyond the shadow of a doubt. I've lived in its darkness for so long. It, it seems like I have all the right questions, but never enough answers. And my faith is small enough to fit in the cracks of my palms, God. Every night, I lay my head down to sleep. The city of my mind is attacked by a legion of questions, threatening the living rooms of my sanity and holding them hostage. Can you help me? Last year, my grandmother laid in a hospital bed like a bus stop, waiting for God to come pick her up. I had never seen such pain and such confidence, living in the same eyes when she told me, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I know who I belong to, and I was so happy for her. And something inside of me wished that somehow before she passed away, she could pass down her confidence in God to me like an old family picture. I remember sitting in the back row of a cold sanctuary, crying because I desperately wanted what the preacher was saying to be true, but my doubts were preaching a sermon of their own and the streams of my tears turned into oceans of frustration. I remember sitting in a college classroom and the only thing being tested is my faith in God. The only thing passing is my hope. Me, in a backpack full of fear and nowhere to go, No one to help me unpack, I sleep. I sleep, but I never rest. These lines around my eyes are not wrinkles, they are maps that show you the winding roads that lead to my pain. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I'm longing for the day that I can place my fingers in his nail-pierced hands, because honestly, I've considered quitting, but where will I go? Back? there's no home for the living in the land of the dead, so I keep pressing forward. Today I have faith, but I can't make any promises about tomorrow. I'm surprised I've held on this long. God, just make me feel like I'm not crazy. God, let me know that I'm not just making friends with these walls when I pray. I'm not questioning you. i just got questions. Don't leave me here. Don't, don't leave me. My child, my child, when it seems like you have all the right questions, but never enough answers and your faith is small enough to fit in the cracks of your palms I told you, Faith the size of mustard seeds can rearrange whole landscapes and turn mountains into open highways. Faith comes by my word, so maybe you've cuffed your ears. My child, don't be childish. But consider the child whose faith has not quite learned the definition of impossible. Have your questions. I'm not telling you to have a blind faith. I'm telling you to consider the blind men who had faith and believed my words before they were even able to see me. Consider the birds that eat from my hand and do not fall from the sky without my consent. So how much more will I love the ones that I died for? Before you doubt me, doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts, and you will see they are just as empty as the tomb that I walked from. (laughs) Truth is, truth is you know I'm here. You know my truth, and you're scared. Scared of what that means. Scared of what that should cost you that one day they will all laugh at you, laugh you right out of their classrooms and scorn you out of their courtrooms. But my love serves as an eviction notice to anxiety. When they cast stones, my love casts out fear. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I've never started a work that I will not finish. I am the one. I am the one who will give you courage to stare death in the face and say how dare you try to scare me I know who I belong to and when it feels like you are drowning when it feels like you are drowning in a sea of your questions just know I'm there I'm there Like when I drowned in the Red Sea of my blood for you, and these hands that took holes will hold you. And when I told you that I would love you forever, I meant it. Don't you see these rings in my hands? See, we are married. For better or for worse, through sickness and in health, through faith and through questions, till death brings us closer, you are mine. You are mine, and I am yours. I promise.
0: And God's love written in Christ's blood serves as the eviction notice to my anxiety. See, in Christ, you and I are treasured. In Christ, you and I are secure. In Christ, you and I are useful. Did you walk in today feeling like you're worthless or alone or insecure or uncertain? Did you walk in feeling useless or insignificant? If you did, then the truth is you are not worthless. The truth is you are not alone. And the truth is You are not insignificant. You are not useless. Christ is your security. Christ is your certainty. Christ gives you all the significance you could ever need. And in Christ, you are treasured, secure, and useful. One last time. God's love serves as the eviction notice because it's been written in Christ's blood. It evicts all that is trying to eat at you not just anxiety the context of this passage is peace it's not just anxiety all of the wolves that come against you to devour and to destroy that which is living inside of you the cross of Christ and the love of God written in his blood evicts so what reason do you have to live any differently now let me pray father thank you so much for this passage thank you so much father for speaking this word to us pray father that as we go into time of communion and prayer and closing and worship pray father that your spirit would move among us I pray father that you would give us the presence of your spirit mend wounds cause repentance where sin is uh, running rampant. Restore to us the joy of your salvation, Lord God. Strengthen us where we are weak. And we beg you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information,
0: please visit www.thewellhastings.com.